Hello, and welcome to episode 210 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybach, and joining me this evening is my wonderful co-host, Spirit. How are you doing this evening, Spirit? Hello. Uh, I'm doing great. Summer summer has truly arrived uh, as of, like, this afternoon, so um, that that's always great. Um, it's my, my time of the year to have it, and I'm just going to taunt the rest of you in the Northern Hemisphere for forever. Yeah, you, you wacky upside-downer people your weird wrong seasons gets me every time uh here it is cold and dank and rainy and uh i I also love it though because i i'm a i'm a weirdo like that so uh yeah well we have quite a bit to talk about uh i'm gonna say i guess just right off the bat that uh shongaku eric is gonna be uh not on the show for a while he has uh he's super busy and so uh it's pretty much just gonna be uh duo cast again for a while which is a shame because i feel like he has a lot to say about the story but uh, maybe we'll get some of his notes in there to try and let you understand how much tinfoil we've had to stock up on (laughs) (laughs) Uh, for reference this episode we are going to be talking about the second map uh set of story instances which is the what the highlands yeah yeah um, so, which that doesn't quite neatly fall into a, an act, I believe it sort of is part of an act or I didn't actually check where the act was, but, um, basically if you're still in the second map and don't want spoilers, then, you know, you've been warned if you're in the third map or beyond, we probably won't be touching it at all. So that's, uh, that's where we're going. Do you want to start off with story first? Do you want to talk about Halloween and, uh, gem store and stuff like that before we go off the deep end on story uh let, let, let's hit halloween and all that fun stuff before we go before we go too far afield okay sure uh why don't you why don't you hit me with your thoughts impressions uh so halloween is back it is much the same as always although a little bit improved as always they have for the first time this year I, I'm really, really big on hunting achievement points right now because I'm getting close to that 30k mark. Uh, 30k, if you don't know, is when you get the Radiant or Hellfire chest piece, and I want it. So uh, I'm paying very close attention to all that Halloween achieves this year. And they added a bunch. They did really well. Um, they basically made it like other festivals that we have, have come to expect from Winter's Day and Super Adventure Box where... There's these big long-term achievements, you know, carve a thousand pumpkins, carve like, but, you know, like do the jumping puzzle 15 times. Or for some people, it's like, oh, that's easy. And for other people, it's like, oh, ooh. ooh. That's like years worth of, <laughs> years worth of jumping puzzles. Um, so that's cool. Made those long-term achievements. They made the normal ones, which is like uh, pretty much all the same things, but scaled down for uh, a year's worth of festivals. Uh, and they, they added some new rewards with it. So there's an additional achievement category where usually for doing like one of each thing, I'm pretty sure it's just for one of each thing, uh, you can get a box with a new armor skin. And the, they aren't totally new armor skins. They are uh, revamped ones uh, from, they're just like like mid-tier armor skins. Usually like dirtied up a little bit, got some new particle effects. And they're really cool overall. I'm I'm super glad to have them. Um, I, I mean, have you gone after the new armors yet? 
Yeah, well, because I'm going on vacation, which, spoilers, that means that there won't be an episode next week. Uh, I'm going on vacation for half of the Halloween event, so I had to basically do a breakneck pace and get whatever I wanted because I'm leaving tomorrow. So I got all the way up to the second to last step on the new Mad King's back piece, which I'm super excited about because... I have always loved the Mad King's back piece, and I literally was wearing it still from the first Halloween on my Necromancer. Um, and the new the new one has a sweet, almost legendary looking particle effect with the um, the Starry Night sky sort of like yeah. floating off of it in crazy flames, which totally fits my vibe with the bat aura and my other glowy bits and my Astralaria. Um, it was like perfectly made for me so it was actually funny that that wasn't the ultimate one because that like the ultimate one looking just this sort of translucent ghostly did absolutely nothing for me so um so i've done everything that you need for that which includes the um well you don't technically have to have gotten the the achievement that or the set of achievements that give you a full set of armor but in order to get that back piece, you have to have at least one of every slot. So they can all be the same weight class, or they can all be mixed, but you need six pieces of armor that cover the six slots. And so it's really just easiest to do that by doing those other achievements that you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've done a fair bit, yeah. So that included doing the clock tower, uh, carving 150 pumpkins, um eating a bunch of opening a bunch of trick-or-treat bags i think uh eating a bunch of candy uh killing the killing all three of the champions in the labyrinth and i think killing 150 enemies in the labyrinth um yeah uh so i i actually yeah i like the i like the armor i love that we get new sets i like that you can get a full set from achievements i love the mad king back piece and the only thing that slightly miffed me was that it didn't remember or acknowledge that i've done it before so like the first two parts of the back piece are basically the exact same and the actual items you get are the exact same uh which i already had and same with the carving pumpkins i'd already carved a a 10 billion pumpkins before uh and i had the the same title already and so it like kind of miffed me that i had to go farm that but partly that's just because i was on a time crunch so um that was mostly painless though so yeah it's actually it's actually pretty exciting um how i loved that they implemented gliding and mounts in the labyrinth um it really yes. made it faster to like just like hop in and aerial dive bomb it i love it mm-hmm. yeah um have you done the clock tower again yet yes i have i am a glutton for pain and punishment <laughs> um so i've been in there i've done it three times now i was going to you know, with with those those big multi year achievements, of course, I'm going to blitz through them because I want all the AP. So I, I'm resigning myself to the grind this year. So I decided at one point that it's like, yeah, I get, you know, I can I can do the clock tower every two three attempts, and I'm sure I'll get better at it if when, when I'm not you know out of practice for a year. So I'll just go grind all those out super quick. And then I realized that uh, one of the new things they added this year is uh, dailies, sort of on the same system as Super Adventure Box, where if you complete the Super Adventure Box dailies so many times, then you get a box that has special weapons in it. So they've actually added a new weapon set. Um, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's the Haunted Weapon Set. Uh, they're like blue spoopy candle weapons. I haven't gotten any myself yet because it's only been out for a couple days. But uh, 
yeah, that's an option now. So I'm pacing those big things over the course of the festival by, you know, just doing it whenever the daily comes up. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's I I yeah, I really am not able to do that kind of stuff. So I hadn't looked too much at that um, for this time. But it's it's a good model to have going forward, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, so also with the Halloween update, we have uh, new gem store items, which were the content of which was something that we had suspected i suppose uh very <laughs> strongly which is the mount skins um so indeed uh there are there are mount skins and uh indeed as we sort of thought might be the case uh y- they have more than one die channel apiece um they are sort of uh they they sort of remind well yeah they're basically like painted on skeletons uh as a as a pattern and it's uh like they're they're pretty decent looking i mean it mm-hmm. they some of them look cooler than others uh but that's you know sort of partly because they've got crazy fantastical uh shapes and bodies and whatnot um it's what sixteen hundred gems for the bundle of five is that right uh yeah yeah how do you feel i guess i guess first off does it bother you that the main the main mounts only have one channel and these ones have four. Yes, absolutely. Um, I've been really wanting to dye mine uh, different colors. I you know I'm I'm glad we got one one channel. That's more than nothing. Um, but I really like the default skins and I'd like to have that control over it. So I I would I would prefer to be able to dye mine. I'm not. I, I get yeah. I guess it's just an annoyance more than anything. I'm not like enraged over it but i'm like yeah i don't really want to buy especially five skins yeah to die um you know my mount's different colors and then like have to have to work around the the bone showing up just to like have a, a dark jackal or a, a white griffin or you know so i'm i'm not super pleased i don't hate the skins by any means i'm just i would rather have the option to get more die channels for my current mounts. Yeah, it's you know it's kind of tough because, like on the one hand, I do I do have to and have uh, given them like huge props that these skins are the base skins rather are way better like years million miles better than the base glider, yes. right? So like it's kind of hard to complain about it in that sense. Of, uh, but like, it's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we all knew, we all knew that this was gonna be a thing. So like, we're we can't really be surprised about it. Yeah, it's like mildly annoying. I would say the most annoying thing is that you can't buy them individually. Um, I think at a price of theoretically four hundred gems per mount because they're quote discounted from two thousand gems. Um, like on the one hand, that's cheaper than gliders right or are gliders are this gliders are like 600 right? gliders, gliders started at 400 there's they're like they're all different between 400 500 600 yeah okay yeah but so so they go up to 600 yeah i suppose that's true um yeah it, i mean so it's comparable to gliders uh, but i guess the question is whether it's always going to be bundled like this or if these were just bundled because i don't know testing the waters and because they are all the same theme. Mm-hmm. 
Let me ask you this. What is the most that you would pay for a single mount skin? Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> ArenaNet, if you're listening, I need you to turn this off right now. <laughs> <laughs> I would be willing to pay quite a bit. I, um, comparatively, I think a lot of people are. Like, I, I we, we had this conversation. I actually won a bet, by the way. Uh, not not an official bet, but we had this conversation when uh, Path of Fire came out. How long? How long will it be till Mount Skins? Right, and I pretty much called. It. I said I, 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 about a month. I was pretty damn close. Yeah, that's uh, true. It's been how long has it been actually? Uh, like Path five of Fire's weeks? been out for twenty five days. It says on Guild Wars Two efficiency, so I see it every day when I check my achievement points. Oh, okay. Um, so, but I yeah. can't. Uh, that's about as close to a month as you're ever gonna get. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, we we talked about uh, price points in other games, and I dug up, I haven't played Terra for a few years now, um, but I dug up uh, their store and, you know, converted the currency and stuff. They charge about, I think it was $20 for a single mount skin for one character. $30 if you want it for the account. Or you can get a $10 RNG box for, like, they'll have, like, four pig pets, and you can get a $10, and it'll, it'll pick one of the four randomly. So you can yeah, like gamble that's on like it as well. gross. Yeah, I know. I know that's super gross. But the point is, I think they could get away with charging quite a bit, and I was surprised that they were as low as they were to start with. Um, I was kind of expecting um, 400 to 600. Yeah, I guess 400 to 600 per mount, but I... I wouldn't have been surprised if each mount started at like 1200 gems. And I think I still probably would have bought them if they were good enough. Like I may not have bought these Halloween ones. In fact, in fact I haven't bought the Halloween ones. Um I'm just kind of going to wait. I'm sure I'm going to buy mount skins. Like I there's just there is no possible. question. I'm, I'm going to buy some. Yeah. Uh but I'm going to wait until I get a set that I like. So. Okay. Yeah, that was my next question is have you bought them? Uh, I also have not. Um they just didn't super do it for me. And, and yeah. I, I mean, to be fair, uh, also, it's because I really effing like the base skins. Like, they mm-hmm. they really did knock it out of the park on on those skins. So, uh, again, there's, I guess there's really only so much I can complain about it if I like the base skins so much that I'm not even buying the mount skins. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, on top of that, I don't know if you heard, but there's been uh, some data mining, of course, with the, the Halloween pet. One of the things that has been data mined is a peacock raptor. So it sounds like new skins, uh, you know, not in the Halloween theme and more individual are are on the way, of course. So okay. something to look forward to. I'm really curious uh, whether they'll go for like big, uh, big like model changes. Like the skimmer, um, obviously a manta ray, but it, it could very easily be like an Asura hoverboard, right? Yeah, I was like gonna that, say you could things that move in the same way. Yeah, so much like how you can well, and I mean now we have uh, gliders, quote unquote, that you stand on. Sure, yeah, that's true. So I mean, oh yeah, speaking of which, uh, broom glider with Halloween this year. Oh, I don't know if it's out yet, but it's been data mined for sure. So oh god, I need to um, check that. Something to uh, look forward to. Uh, yeah, freaking mm, yeah, I'll be all over that. Um. Actually, that would be a great mount, <laughs> like a griffin mount, uh, the broomstick, flying broom. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, we can't get too upset about it. It's it's sort of one of those things where you know it's coming. And and also, I guess, uh, to be even more uh, 
in ArenaNet's camp on this. The expansion was only $30, so, you know, uh, guess it's, uh, yeah, not that surprising, so. Okay, well, I think we've talked about all of that stuff. Was there anything else you want to talk about with Halloween, or do we want to press onward? Uh, if you would like to get uh, all of the armor skins, you can only get one of each from the boxes, but you can get all the sets by talking to... There's a vendor uh, near the Mad King's chest. I can't remember what their name is. It's uh, got a candy corn marker, though. They have all the recipes for the rest of the skins. You just need Armor Smith or Taylor Smith 400 for that. Uh, they do have a special insignia, but it's made with, like, the uh, gibbering skulls and creamy nougats or whatever. Basically Halloween junk items. I mean, it's not going to cost you very much at all to make these if you want. Uh, I haven't crafted them myself yet, but I would imagine they have choosy stats, just like the ones that come out of the boxes. So it possibly a very good way of getting cheap good exotic gear for alts yeah uh, i don't think they have path of fire or heart of thorns stats so don't go nuts trying to get a viper set or anything halloween is core content i expect them to have core stats on them and the choosy boxes did only have the core stats so if it's the same as those then unfortunately you won't be able to get that cool stuff um the most expensive part is that to buy the recipes it costs you candied corn cobs which are what five and a half yes. gold a piece right now Holy moly, they've gone up. I should have waited. <laughs> or, I had exactly enough candy corn cobs from last year to buy all of the pieces I needed. Uh, let me just do a quick price check. Uh, so, it's, yeah, it's five gold. Uh, five gold a pop. So, yeah, uh, if you're talking one per armor piece of recipe and then two, I believe, for the chest pieces, you're mm -hmm. looking at 14 after you do the achievements. So 70 gold just for the recipes. Oops, well, I dropped a little bit more money than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so bourgeois. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't even know how much money I spent <laughs> on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a, that's good good pro tips. Uh, I feel like there was like, one more thing. Oh, there's... Um, I don't think people have figured out how to acquire it yet. Um, by the way... If you're waiting for, like, oh, I want the Executioner's Axe or, like, other Halloween stuff, there's usually another gem store patch halfway through Halloween where we get, like, a new outfit and some of the other old stuff comes back. So don't go crazy. Spend all your money right now. There's probably more stuff coming. Uh, and in addition to that, there is... I don't know if you've seen... Have you seen the mini failed attempt? No. Have a Google right now. I uh, just go. saw the Geomancer glider. I had never seen that. Oh, okay. Um... Find the mini failed attempt. I don't believe you can find it in the preview panel right now. Uh, it may have been data mined, um, but there is a matching mace and scepter skin of that mini. Um, so, just so you know, those are out there somewhere. I don't think the recipe has been discovered yet. It's we're not we're not quite sure if the all the items aren't in game yet, or if people just haven't worked out the recipe because there are new recipes for some old components from Halloween. So that's the thing to be aware of. Also, Touch of Madness, new um, new torch skin this year. It's just fire on your hand. So if you like torches, don't like torches, there you go. There's a new option for you. Hmm. Yeah, what is this mini failed attempt? It's gruesome. Uh, we, we we don't know. That's horrifying. But there's a scepter and a mace of it in the, in the dat file. So uh, wow. at some point you will see those and hopefully you have enough brain bleached 
Yeah. Ooh. I do love the mini headless Farron. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Riding broom. Wait, no, that's just the regular riding broom. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so they, they brought back Halloween in a in a good way this year. And that's, you know, I mean, the activities themselves are, are still the same, but we get... Uh, get some new content, get some access to old content. They still have mm-hmm. not brought back my uh, super expensive site staff that I still have. Uh, so, haha. Um, uh, I think they actually have. Oh, have they? Um, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not totally sure on the details. I don't spend a lot of time at the Mystic Forge, um, but I believe very, 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 very rarely. Um, you can pull the scythe skin and the ghastly grinning shield out of the Mystic Forge as of midway through last year. Oh, okay. Very, very random, like low, uh, low key patch. But um, yeah, uh, it's, I guess I did know it's that. It's still very valuable. It just keeps the price from going crazy pants bonkers. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, I think it's about time to start talking about the story. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Um, Well, would you like to start or should I? Uh, Why don't you go ahead and start? Okay, so basically the... (laughs) uh, Yeah, Uh, I am sort of reliving this by reading my my notes that I put in our document from when the the game launched because that was where I wanted to write some stuff down to keep my thoughts and so uh, some of it is kind of funny so yeah the first mission uh, i don't know if you listened to last week's episode spirit but we didn't totally just go episode by, or uh, mission by mission we sort of just like talked about what we felt like and the the main points sure. um so the big thing that happens is you find out that orion has a brother and then he immediately dies <laughs> and yep uh in the in in our notes, I wrote, Orion has a brother, JK, not anymore. No emotional impact possible. Uh, I thought that was really weird, to be perfectly honest, that it, like, I mean, just that, like, how, I, I don't, I can't imagine feeling an emotional connection to this dragon that you learn about and subsequently dies, like, immediately. It felt, it felt, like, kind of awkward and forced and, like... Yeah, I don't know. It was I mean it was almost comical and I know it wasn't <clears throat> I know it wasn't supposed to be, but um boy, I don't know. Uh the the mission itself was was fine. It was, you know, sort of a normal go around, kill some stuff, fight a boss at the end. Um but uh I don't know. How how do you what do you what do you feel about what do you think about Blast? Do you care? Uh yeah. So Gilder's one players um, probably remember Vlast because we did have a, a bit of inter- interaction with him in Guild Wars 1. Not a whole lot, but we knew that um, the dwarves had rescued one of Glint's eggs and they were raising it and it hatched in Guild Wars 1. There was a single mission where you defended him from destroyers and it wasn't a huge deal in Guild Wars 1, but we knew of Vlast going into Guild Wars 2 and it was one of those plot threads that it had just ne- like, never really been resolved. Um, similar to how the White Mantle were before uh, Living Story 3. So it was cool to see him again. Uh, I knew exactly who he was right away from playing Guild Wars 1. And I have to say, I wasn't 
I wasn't upset with how they handled Blast overall. Um, I kind of really like stories where there's characters that aren't necessarily, like, big impactful characters that aren't necessarily there or, like, have, have already died or are inanimate. Um, I like those kind of, those, those storytelling aspects. So there was this really cool moment for me uh, in this mission where, where the Herald is stopping you and Blast gets knocked down and then jumps up the cliff behind her with Balthazar in close pursuit. And that was a really, really cool moment for me. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of a tangent of what I was talking about before, but I really wanted to make sure to say that because I love that moment so much, uh, especially with the, the, like, the speculation from last episode I saw in the show notes, I hope you guys talked about it on the show, that um, the Herald of Balthazar may in fact be Devona. Um, who was a, a henchman from Guild Wars 1. There's some some lore bits in the chapter preceding this that kind of hints that she she may have fallen under Balthazar's influence in the Fisher of Woe. So that that was a really cool like payoff. Not um lore-wise, like to have some interesting things going on, but also just a really cool cinematic moment that they didn't have to take my camera away to see. I found that really cool. Like that, that was, was like, yeah, they really nailed that that one part, right? Um, yeah. So I wasn't I wasn't super fussed about uh, last taking the bullet for us immediately. But the longer, the more the story went on, um, I found him to be a very cool and compelling character, despite the fact that he, you know, living wasn't with us for very long. Uh, I can't talk about all of that now because some of that is in future maps. But immediately after this story. You go around and pick up crystals from him, and uh, there are are bits of him talking to you, talking to his sister. Uh, I, I found that really cool. I I went around and got all the extra ones. You you could only find a few of them to get like the critical story bits, or you could go around and find all of them to get everything. We we uh, went around and got all of them. I played through the story the first time with Christian all the way through, so that was cool. Nice. Yeah, I I also did get all of them. I do I do like that they gave him some fleshing out afterwards. I was being somewhat uh, facetious, I suppose, but uh, it I think part of it is the way that the mission felt like it was being sort of sold was that it was like well, like it was he died in like a heroic sacrifice type of deal, um, but like yeah, I don't know. It just it just sort of fell a little flat for me, but. Uh, I do like, you know, I do like the reference back to Guild Wars 1, and I am, like you said, I am fine with important characters not being, like, a major part of the story, Um, but at the same time, like, you could also have that argument apply and just say, like, he didn't necessarily really need to be in it at all, or didn't need to die sort of, like, in front of us saving our life or whatever, Um, but it's fine. Um I just it just really struck me as funny at the time. It's just uh I don't know. Uh I don't I don't want to rag on it too much though. Um let's see. I am I am like totally blanking on what the Crystalline Memories uh mission is. The Oh 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 yeah right in the in the big like crater crater, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh maybe maybe I'm just like forgetting. Was there anything like super exciting that happened during that? I think that the, there are two big, big things about that. One is um, sort of a foreshadowing of what Balthazar has been up to there. It's basically that he's looking for a weapon, and the real, the real payoff of that comes much later. 
Yeah. You start to investigate things that he had been doing. Uh, and then the other thing that I found really cool about that instance was um, actually getting to Glint's lair, like, through the front door, as opposed to, oh, we've been teleported in a crystal memory. In Or or just in, in Guild Wars 1, where it was, like, literally, you just sort of warped there. Yeah. Yeah. That was very cool. Uh, and, then, oh, right. So the other thing is, um, the spear was there. If you haven't been up on the story of Destiny's Edge or didn't read the book Ed- Edge of Destiny, is that what the book called? It's the second one. Which I, think it's, I think it's Edge of Destiny, yeah. Destiny's Edge. Um, the spear that is there is a spear made of Kralkatorik's own blood by Glint in order to kill Kralkatorik. And that spear... Yeah, that, that was how Destiny's Edge was going to kill Kralkatorik. So that was the moment where um, Destiny, Destiny's Edge fractured, Snaff died, um, Logan retreated, and everything just went all to shit. So Logan, ru- Logan ruined everything, yeah. Y- yeah. Yeah, very, very cool to have that payoff. And it was a nice, um, I found it a nice, like, atmospheric room. I really liked the environment in that mission. It just, um... Yeah, wasn't, wasn't Snap's Golem there, well too? To yep, Snap's Golem was there. Uh, and you can talk to Ritlock a little bit about it. I think he, you're f- sort of forced to. Connock makes a boy, Ritlock and Connock, um, I'm waiting for the buddy cop movie. <laughs> yeah. Since I didn't get to say that in episode one. Uh, yeah. Uh, they are uh, certainly a dynamic duo. So yeah, Connock, Connock makes some quip about oh char sulking they just love to sulk and have a nice quiet moment with Ritlock. i've actually um i've played through it twice once on actually i wasn't the instance owner so i got to see it with a female norn uh as not the instance owner and a female char as the instance owner i found the female char one pretty good uh just i don't know felt felt good to to relate to ritlock as a as a char rather than be like oh poor kitty i don't know <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, to have that sort of camaraderie is the was the dialogue different, or was it just sort of like I theoretically you could it just felt more right? I don't know. It was a few weeks apart, so um, I think it just theoretically felt more right. Um, I'm sure there were some minor differences, though. There, are, there always are uh, slight differences by race. I just wasn't super paying that close of attention, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and I've only done the story on my on my one main character my necromancer and i'm sort of just about to start doing it on my um guardian so who is a different race so you know maybe i'll pick up on some of that but all of that at the moment is lost on me aside from what you guys talk about but uh yeah uh i i did like the callbacks you know i think that is one thing that they they have been doing really well in this expansion is tying up a lot of loose ends or story threads uh from you know from books from the uh, from Guild Wars 1, from The Living Story, from from all sorts of things. And I think the degree to which they are sort of successfully doing it is varying, but to a certain extent, there's only so much time to make this. And so the more things that they want to try and touch on, you know, it's sort of inevitable that some of them will be, you know, smaller than others. So I do mm-hmm. definitely appreciate... Um, that they're doing that and not just leaving everything open-ended forever and all time. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's cool. 
the I keep you know I keep talking about it and saying like was it memorable? It's not necessarily that it wasn't memorable. It's more that the last instance in this map was very memorable, and so it's making it like hard for me to remember the other yeah things. That's because, very true. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. Well, I the the next thing that we go to is the Tomb of the Primeval Kings, and again, this is one of those things where. It has a lot more significance for Guild Wars 1 players, and specifically, I would say, for um, either people that did a lot of PvP or people that were just around in Prophecies uh, at the beginning, because uh, the Tomb of the Primeval Kings was a, you know, sort of dungeon instance that people used to farm and sort of, like, competitively farm, and it was, you know... um, a source of a lot of the green, green being the sort of ostensibly most rare items in Guild Wars 1. Um, you know, a good source of green items. It had uh, some good mechanics. It, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I just remember a lot of uh, time in there. And then also, if you did PvP and uh, you did the Hall of Heroes, uh, one of the, or basically the Hall of Heroes itself, I believe, took place. Uh, at the end, basically, of the tombs, or at least one of the maps did, um, which I think they actually referenced in this mission, if I'm not taking crazy pills. I'm not totally sure about that. Um, yeah, so that was really fun just for me to go back there again. And I, we talked about this before um, Pathfire came out, but you know, I, I was always really excited to revisit these places from Guild Wars 1 and... I kind of didn't expect that we would get to revisit the the tombs, but uh, yeah, super happy that we got to. Um, the mission itself, you sort of, you know, you you talk to the the primeval kings and you know, press F to pay respects. Um, <laughs> not quite, but um, you know, that mission itself was uh, not a ton, but it segues into uh, a couple of pretty interesting missions. Was there anything? Anything you really want to talk about in the actual tombs part of it, or do you want to just move straight into the sort of the meat of the story in this map? Yeah, I guess it was... There's not a whole lot to say about it. It was nice to see some faces to some names that we had heard a lot about. Not not necessarily a lot about, but they are... They weren't just made up for Guild Wars 2, right? Like, the, these characters that you met in Tomb of Primeval Kings have lore dating back to Guild Wars 1. Yeah, this is definitely uh, true. So, I, yeah, I don't think any any earth-shattering revelations, but, you know, just another another cool thing to, to see. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of wish, I, I think it would have been really funny if they had, like, one of the tomb's items uh, in the mission for... Uh small little callback or something but mm. it's uh yeah it's weird to me uh there was definitely a big disconnect from guild what what i knew of guild wars one tomb um because i i didn't really i wasn't around until eye of the north for guild wars one um so i i got caught up on a lot of stuff from the backlog but tomb of primeval kings wasn't something i ever really delved into i did a little bit of solo farming in there but um I still had this big disconnect because it was like, was it technically an elite area to Primeval Kings or was it a dungeon? It was, well, so some of that is like the terminology evolved during the lifetime of Guild Wars. Um, 
because there weren't dungeons in in, in prophecies until um, Eye of the North, yeah, un- right. And so it was, it was, yeah, it was. I mean, technically, elite areas. I think the first ones were in factions, uh, like as a quote term. But it was like basically a like an optional challenging mission thing that's not actually part of the story. Like it was basically an elite area. Yeah. 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 Um, so I guess for me to have that sort of reverence, like I, I would talk about Tomb of Primeval Kings in Gilders One the same way I would talk about a raw explorable um in Gilders Two, where it's it's above and beyond most instances in the game. Definitely not the hardest thing. Uh but to be to be respected. And so to have this um, area on the map, open world, where I can just wander in and loot the Tomb of Primeval Kings, uh, and like maybe a ghost inconveniences me while I'm in there, that was kind of disappointing, I have to admit. Um, well, so I think the thing is, uh, th- there's a couple things about, you know, sort of the reverence or difficulty of it, because back in Prophecies, um, you know, the the game was much lower power. There were, you know, four fewer professions and literally hundreds fewer skills um to make builds from uh and so back when prophecies was all that there was um it it was a bigger deal it was not like but it was much closer to uh the deep and uh urgaz warren when prophecies was the only game uh and like you had to make sort of like pretty good comps and it was pretty easy to wipe uh, not as hard as the Underworld or the Fissure of Woe, but, you know, you had to be paying attention. Uh, but as to the lore disconnect, if I recall correctly, a lot of the monsters in Tombs were, um, like, from the Underworld, sort of like in Queensdale, um, and, like, they breached through. And so, you know, being able to walk in now really just sort of means that the Underworld's more battened up. Um, okay. I think it's been a long time though but that's sort of my recollection of like the types of monsters that were there uh yeah that sounds right i remember driders that's all i remember <laughs> I think it was driders yeah and there was a I lot think, i i think maybe someone took me all the way through tomb once but other than that i just saw the opening area a few times as i was farming it yeah i mean that was back when the meta was or not the meta but like well and this goes back to how guild wars one was so fundamentally different is like individual you know, dungeons or elite areas or whatever would have their own team comps, like not just classes, but specific builds based on the like mob aggro patterns. And so the, I was making a lot of jokes about it on Twitter and in our show notes, but the, the main thing there was uh quote BP Rangers. So it was like you, you had like two, I feel like you had two trapper Rangers that, that put all their points into traps and laid them all down and then aggroed enemies into the traps, and then you had every other like ranger had a pet that would go because there was body blocking, and they would all aggro them so that the enemies got stuck on the traps fighting the pets, while you then had all of the rangers sitting back using barrage, which hits all of the enemies that are next to each other. And so it was like this funnel of death strategy, <laughs> and if you messed it up, they would just come in and murder you. That and sounds like, exactly like Gilder's one. That sounds like Pete Gilder's one right there. Yeah, this is, yeah, I mean, the, exactly. And that's why, like, as somebody that lived through that at the time, like, it has strong memories for me of, like, oh, let's just try our own thing. And then, oh, nope, we got our faces smashed. Like, okay, 
I guess we're going back to BP Rangers. Like, um, anyway, I don't really remember exactly where I was going with that, but it just um, <laughs> Tomb of the Primeval Kings, man. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, so it was great to go back there, but I didn't feel like I had a ton to say about the story in this in Guild Wars Two. But it was great to go back. Um, again, very exciting for me. Um, but anyway, so at the end of that, you open up a portal and you go, you go in and you sort of have like a puzzle instance. Um, actually it's kind of, kind of funny. It didn't make me angry, but I was very confused for a while because when I did it, it was actually broken. Um, and I couldn't finish the instance, but I wasn't sure if I was just a moron or like what, because I didn't know what it was supposed to be. Uh. Uh, so the symbols um that you place into the sun sphere thingamajigger um like i couldn't interact with i could interact with the symbols but i couldn't then interact with the thing to put them in so i was just like am i supposed to drop them like you know like drop bundle or like what and so i figured out where all of them were and I just could not figure it out. And I got in guild chat and was like, hey, guys, am I am I stupid or like, is there something wrong here? And somebody just got on chat and, you know, was like, yeah, you got to find the pieces. I'm like, yeah, I found them. And they're like, then you put them in. I'm like, but how? <laughs> and they're like, I don't understand what you mean. And I'm like, is there is there supposed to be a prompt? Because like, am I just supposed to be dropping them? Because I just like I'm standing on the thing and nothing's happening. And they were like, yeah, I think that's wrong. <laughs> okay. All right, good. It's not <laughs> It's uh, not an infinitely more complicated puzzle than I was expecting. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny. But it went a lot faster the second time because obviously I knew where everything was. I did have a lot of fun exploring that zone. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, you know, you do you do this puzzle. You, you find the pieces. You do some cool little rotate thingy majiggers uh then you you talk to the sun spears about sort of their ideals and what they represent and you know all that all that jazz um prove your prove your worthy was there was there anything super standouty in this instance for you other than how gorgeous it was uh no just the aesthetics like it was a it was very striking um strikingly different than a lot of things in guild wars 2 um and uh as uh, like a lot of things in Guild Wars 2, looked absolutely fantastic. Um, it was really cool. Yeah, just really cool to be there. The moment where you ring the bell, there's sort of like, it's like daytime and there's a sandstorm, and then you ring the bell, and it instantly clears, and it's a starry sky. That was very, very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, man, their, their sky boxes in this game look so good. Uh, I know yeah, it's kind of a blew, weird thing. To... I mean, they they always looked good, but the the Path of Fire ones again are another step up. The if you haven't been to a windswept haven guild hall, try and get to one because it is gorgeous. Yeah, um, it is gorgeous. I was really happy about that. It was everything I wanted because in Guild Wars One, our or my guild hall anyway was was the um, Vobian one, and it's got it's got shades of that, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's sort of a explorable and also, you know, get used to using your super hot bunny <laughs> uh, mount to get up some of these jumps. Uh, I like the touch that um, sort of on an intuitive level, they made the um, the pieces sort of roughly in 
in a in a line from where the missing piece was on the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was sort of a nice, you know, I don't know if I'd call it subtle, but it, it was kind of a nice subtle cue of where to look as long as you, you know, kept track. Um, but really, again, the meat of this episode or well, this uh, story section is once you complete that, you get access to uh, Cormier's library, I guess is what it's called. Right? Uh, some something sanctum, Cormier's Uh-oh. sanctum, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I almost called it the realm of torment. Um, when that happened, well, my there's some interesting things to talk about there. But go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say when I got there, my jaw dropped because this is that's hands down one of the coolest instances or one of the coolest like map things, and it embodies everything that was so fantastical and so regionally distinctive about Alona and is something mm-hmm. that you just do not see again something that you just do not see in deserty areas in games um but is very you know reflective of the types of cultures that live in sort of these Africa Middle Eastern um countries and it they're just breathtakingly beautiful so i i just like i spent a lot of time in this instance just running around um and seeing how much of it I could explore. Um, do you want to? Do you want to talk about the little lore some, or or should I start off with that? Why? You um, know what? Why don't you start? Because I <laughs> have some complaints. So I feel like you're a nicer person than I am. Basically, you go to Cormier and you appeal to her for help dealing with Balthazar. This uh, this is Casimir's idea, by the way. She she directs you to the Tomb of Primeval Kings, and she she's really shaken having seen Balthazar uh, go rogue, I guess, or, you know, go against humankind. And so she's still looking to turn to the gods if, in any way she can um, for help. So you get there, uh, kind of make introductions, and then Casimir appeals to her, uh, what the hell's going on? <laughs> Where have you been? Are you going to help us? Uh, in politer terms. Uh, and Cormier basically explains that, um, oh god, I can't even remember now. They, I, I remember that, uh, Cormier just explained that Balthazar was going rogue and they decided to seal him away. And strip him um, of his powers. And strip him of his powers. Didn't go over well with the other gods immediately. It took a while to persuade all of them. Um, apparently Lissa especially wasn't totally on board um unclear whether lissa was like close with balthazar or lissa's just the goddess of chaos <laughs> can't make up my mind lissa um <laughs> there's some speculations for both sides it sounds like you're talking about like a sister-in-law that you really don't like or you know you're like lissa can't make up my mind i just like to ruin things for people <laughs> I wouldn't invite Lissa for Thanksgiving. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. But then you um, have to because, you know, she's the yeah. sister-in-law and you really like her brother or, you know, her husband rather. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they got everyone on board, sealed Balthazar away in the mists. Oh my God. We didn't talk about a huge thing from the sacrifice, which is that Rilak was the one who let Balthazar out. Is that, oh, is that when we find that out? Yeah. He's like, oh, oh shit. I've seen that guy before. Uh, commander my bad <laughs> yeah. uh so i found this like random mist hobo and he was like hey i can light up your sword if you let me out and i was like 
done. It's lit. Seems legit. Yeah. It, it's a, um, you of course know that I am like halfway through Dark Souls three. Yep. It felt very Dark Souls to me in that like you're you're trudging through an area. You know all the lore, and I don't. So I'm playing Dark Souls for the first time. You're, you're trudging through this like mystical area, and there's these people around that you you kind of get the sense are like incredibly powerful, but you have no idea what they'll do. Yeah. And so when they they ask you like, "Do you want this dark sigil?" You're like, "I don't, I don't know what that means, but you're offering me a free level up, so or five, sure." And then next thing you know, you take off your helmet and you're raisin. So um, I relate to Ritlock on a spiritual level. <laughs> and uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's really funny. I, I hadn't quite made that parallel, but that's a, you're exactly right. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a very Dark Souls thing. Um, yeah. So it's kind of funny. I actually am not that mad at Ritlock um, for it. I'm a little... I'm a little mad that he didn't ask any questions. He's just sort of like, yeah, you're a prisoner in an eternal, like, jail cell in the middle of nowhere where no one will find you, but I'm sure it's not going to matter if I let you out of here. <laughs> like, uh, It seemed... Like, I, I, I feel the same way as you, but it seemed pretty in character with Relax, so I can't really gripe about it too much. Uh, I can. No, I... <laughs> Uh, I should I should change my name to Greitbach. Um <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean, it seems in character that he would do it. Uh, I just, you know, maybe just a, what are you in here for, buddy? And then, <laughs> you know, maybe Balthazar. Like, Balthazar, honestly, Balthazar probably just could have told him the freaking truth. And, like, Ritlock still would have done it. Because, like, does this not sound like a Ritlock thing? He goes, hey uh do you and this is before we've killed Morgamoth, by the way so we don't know that killing the dragons makes everything worse um you know we're like hey, hey dude what are you what are you doing in here and he's like man these other dudes total douchebags i wanted to kill the dragons and they were too scared so they locked me up like would ritlock of that time not have totally just said uh dude <laughs> let's do this and like go ham with Balthazar against killing the gods. That's a really good point. <laughs> like that's, that's you, that you, that's not even a reach. That's, that's like core Ritlock. Like, yeah, let's, let's, I mean, yeah. even in this game in path of fire, that's what he wanted to do. Like three quarters of the time It's like, <laughs> yes, yeah, screw it. Like, why don't we just kill him? Who cares? Um, <laughs> so yeah, that would have made me feel a little bit better. I think it actually would have been way funnier if Ritlock was like, yeah, so um, he told me who he was and what he wanted to do, but like, whoops, that sounded like a good idea at the time. Yeah. Um, so I actually wasn't really mad at Ritlock uh, for doing that, but we did forget to talk about it mostly because it's pretty intrinsically tied with what we're talking about right now, and so it's pretty easy to sort of merge them into a single um, sure. memory. Anyway, continue. Right, so they sealed Balthazar away in the mist where he was found by Ritlock. Uh, and Cormier says the reason that the gods won't fight the dragons is because it will... Destroy the world. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think of a way to phrase it. Cause magic to go, bo to, cause magic to go bonkers was like the what I was about to say. But yeah, destroy the world, I think, is, is a reasonable way of putting it. That's not... 
embellishing. It would it would have been very dangerous. Um, Cormier knows firsthand, despite how anyone feels about her, um, what happens when you kill a god. And yeah, you get to become a god. Yeah, <laughs> that's what Cormier so, knows. Yeah, you get to so, steal godhood from the commander again. Ritlock seems all over this. <laughs> the yeah. Uh, it made sense to me. I never, I was never really on that, like, ah, Cormier, uh, is the worst bandwagon, but, uh, definitely for people who, for people who don't know, Ingildor's one right before. All so, of so Nightfall is Cormier's fault. Basically. Cause she's Cormier like, Cormier is oh. the Ritlock of, uh, Nightfall. She's like, uh, let me touch this. Was it a statue? I don't know. Yeah, it was like an ancient everything. Marganite statue or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What if I just touch this and release an ancient evil god? Yeah, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a moment at the end of the Nightfall campaign that pretty closely parallels what happens in this instance, where you and your companions, uh, because in Gilders one, the heroes you ran with, especially. Uh, Nightfall, which introduced heroes as like NPC companions for you, had big parts in the story. Um, so you and your companions and Cormier go into the realm of torment, which is uh, Avedon's realm. Or was, was it? Where do you go? It is in the realm of torment, right? Where you look for the avatars of the gods. I can't. It's the realm of madness. It, I can't it, remember what the name of the mission was. Well, the the like realm of torment is the greater area. And there are okay. like six areas that you can warp to that are either missions or outposts. Um, so it's like Gate of Madness, I believe. Right. Same name as the Realm server. of Torment. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Gate of Madness. You go and appeal to the avatars of the gods for help with Cormier, right? So there's this moment where you and Cormier are standing in front of the avatars of the gods and they're like, uh, actually. No, we're not going to help because you have everything you need to defeat him and get lost. Bye. And then they peace out. So for those of us who (laughs) had been through that once already, to go to the Sanctum and have Cormier say basically the same thing that was said to her 250 years ago. uh, You know, I can't say how everyone felt about that. I was like, "Uh, uh, I see the parallel here, but I didn't. I wasn't, like, angry about it, but I could see how people could be really mad. Uh, I'm just going to give a quick uh, spoiler of my thoughts, which is not that I was angry, but that my eyes rolled so hard, I'm pretty sure I gave myself a minor, like, aneurysm. (laughs) But it's fine. We'll get to that in a minute. Anyway, continue. Wait, actually, before you continue, um, Mm -hmm. something that you mentioned, I wanted to call out as uh, something that I really enjoyed but forgot to mention which was I really liked how they've been handling Casimir uh, up to this point in the story and continuing afterwards. But um, I like that she has come to terms with Balthazar's role and intentions and involvement. She isn't just like sticking her head in the sand and being like, no, he could yeah. never like pearl clutching. Um, and I, I really like that, you know, it's very clearly traumatic for her Um to have this whole like worldview shattered or shifted, but she's getting over it and, you know, but still wants to, you know, confide in the gods that she believes in. And I really like that she leads the dialogue during this instance. Uh, you, you said that she did, but I, I just wanted to point that out extra as 
something mm. I thought was really good, um, sort of for character development and uh, narratively speaking, and just like for your relationship between her and the commander. Like, I loved that you didn't feel the need to drive the conversation just because you're in charge. Um, you know, the person that literally has spent their life worshiping, you know, this god and the others is the one who's sort of driving the conversation. And I, I really like that. I thought that was a really good narrative touch. Um, anyway, back on to uh, you have everything that you need and I'm not going to help you. Yeah, so she says that to us and then she pieces out to the mists. Um, she reveals that all the, all the other gods have left Tyria. Um, they're looking for kind of unclear to me maybe i was just forgetting a little bit because it's it's been a couple weeks now they're looking for a place to start over basically like they're they're leaving Tyria, and cormier has lingered because she was once human feels that connection to Tyria. but she says um it's my time to go too and i'm i am leaving Tyria. and now we're at a point where it is confirmed that there are no human gods left on 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 Tyria when they were in the mist? Question mark. Not quite sure how that wibbly wobbly spacey wacy stuff works. Uh, I mean, maybe we could say that places in Tyria correspond to locations in the mists, so therefore they are not inhabiting the areas in the mists in which Tyria overlaps. I guess. Mm. And and or they are not listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Functionally, they are just gone forever. Right, and so then after that, you uh, have an optional achievement you can do, which I highly suggest, uh, to go around and find all of Cormier's diaries, basically. Um, And including, there is a, if you didn't explore around this place too much, uh, there's actually a really cool secret hidden library um, that you can get to by going underwater in one of the areas. And it's sort of, there's a sort of upraised section with a bunch of bookcases on it and if you go underwater there you basically go down under that wall and then go up right on the other side of that wall and it gets you a really cool little um place to explore around and talk to uh some researchers i guess <laughs> uh yeah. adher- adherents of cormier uh and and read a bunch of the journals so highly recommend that um was there anything else you wanted to add, or is it... Uh... Um, on that note, if you went and did that achievement, you probably lost it. Yeah. There was a patch. Definitely uh, not salty about that. Yeah, there was a patch that broke it. Um, was definitely a bug. They investigate it, and there, there is a fix for it now, uh, which I'm pretty sure isn't like totally fixed yet. Basically, you can go talk to an NPC in Temple of Cormier, and it will fix the achievement for you that you lost. Um... I haven't been able to find the NPC. We all went and looked for it after the patch that it went in today. So I think something's a little bit wonky there. But eventually, uh, you should be able to go talk to this NPC in, in Temple of Cormier and have that achievement reinstated for you, if you've done that already. Um, interesting thing that Eric pointed out to me, and I don't know, I don't know if this is like Eric tinfoil hat thing, um, because I haven't really investigated it myself, but he said... That if you go underwater in the sanctum, you can kind of see like tendrils. Abaddon tendrils. Yeah. Yeah. All like the 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 realm of torment that Cormier has built over. That's really cool. It's an excellent detail. 
um, that in this place of sort of amazing beauty, that's what's under the surface. Literally lurking under the surface. Yeah. Is Abaddon Tentacles. Yeah, I, I think that that's 100% uh, correct and intentional and exactly what they're going for. I think the Eric, uh, Eric Ising of that would be uh, where he talked about in our show notes that it literally confirmed that Cormier was turning into uh, Abaddon and that he is still alive and well. Uh, I do not think that the evidence supports that assertion, but uh, it's, it's, it is a very clear callback to the Realm of Torment. My immediate reaction was that it was like, uh, like she's renovating the place, but either it takes a long time or she just kind of like was too busy and just sort of paved over it, which uh, mirrors my home improvement efforts sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a, a deep spiritual connection to Cormier in that moment, uh, once and only. But no, it is very cool, and that's exactly what I thought of when I um, when I did that because, again, having been around for Nightfall when it was coming out. I spent a lot of time tooling around in the realm of torment, and those creepy, weird tentacle things are that—that that is what they are. Um, so, very nice detail uh, and nice, at the very least, symbolism. Uh, one of the things you sort of touched on it when you were talking about how all the gods are leaving. It Cormier, one of Cormier's diaries, uh, basically did say that you know the reason she was still sticking around indeed was because she still remembers being human at least somewhat uh but that the gods have not just that they're looking to start over but they they have greater responsibilities elsewhere that they need to tend to which i thought was an interesting sort of turn of phrase Mm. um i think that's mostly just gonna stay a mystery forever um and just sort of be like the gods are doing important godly things and work in mysterious ways. But yeah, they're not just like totally, um, I don't know. They're not just like totally starting over for no reason. Apparently they apparently have a reason. Um, yeah, yeah. (laughs) but I think there was also, um, I wish, I wish we had gotten to do this a bit sooner now that I'm so fuzzy on everything. Was there confirmation one way or the other, whether the, gods knew about the elder dragons i think it was confirmation that they did not know about the elder dragons until they started surfacing right i i believe that is correct yeah um because again depending on how much you pay attention or are aware of guild wars lore um the human gods are just that they are the the human gods and they did not like create this planet they did not they were not the first ones here, right? Like the Char were here mm-hmm. before the human gods and the humans. So yeah, they're very much latecomers to the party. They, you know, probably were not a- around or paying attention during the last dragon cycle, which was quite long ago. Uh, so yes, I believe that was mentioned, at least in some way or another. Um, yeah, I I have pretty mixed feelings about this instance from a storytelling perspective again the environment is absolutely gorgeous and um i think the first thing i wrote in the notes was guild hall when um because i hadn't actually seen the new guild hall yet yeah absolutely Um, i had the same thought yeah uh and to to you know it had our the guild hall does have uh, shades of it but man ooh, i would spend so much time in that if that was a guild hall it is so cool and it's really big too like vertically mm-hmm. um yeah really cool but 
uh, it felt a lot, aside from the fact that it was, as you said, very much paralleling what happened in Guild Wars 1 with uh, beseeching the gods for aid and then being like, nah, brah. Um, it felt like, it felt sort of internally inconsistent because of exactly sort of what they'd explained the circumstances behind Balthazar were in the first place. So it's like, okay, well, Balthazar wanted to do stuff that would destroy the world, and we decided no. So we stripped him of his powers and put him in a prison for eternity. And it's like, okay, cool. Like, that's great. Balthazar's a rogue, a rogue dude. He's not even a god anymore because you took that away from him. And, I mean, first off, how much lack of foresight do you have that, like, just some random passerby char can just be like, yeah, here you go. I'll just break your chains. It's fine. Whatever. Um, that is really bad security. Um, you know, and if I were Eric, I would say that clearly this was a ploy by Lissa to make bad security and that the shackles were weak on purpose or some such thing, but I'm not Eric. Uh, uh, but anyway, yeah. Uh, but now it's like, now you talk to Cormier and you're like, Hey, so can you help us with that? And she's like, "Mm, yeah, no, because when the gods go to war, really bad stuff happens. And I'm just like, didn't you just tell me that you disagreed with him? And so your solution was to strip him of all of his power and imprison yeah. him forever? Like, you literally just said that you were able to do that, and you did. Uh, like, why? Like, what's so different about that? Like, I can, I can, from a from a general storytelling perspective, I can totally buy the whole... You know, if the gods go to war, it'll destroy everything, you know, thing. But, like, you just you just told us that you didn't even have to do that. And, you know, also, you also said that he lost his god powers and still has lost them effectively. So, it's really not the gods going to war. It would be the gods, you know, punting a baby Balthazar. <laughs> um, man, I feel like this show is rife with show titles. Uh, have mm, fun yeah. picking one. Uh, but anyway... Uh, it, mm, mm. and then it, the icing on the cake, of course, was the Cormier like, you have everything you need, but I won't tell you any of it because I'm mysterious, uh, which is <laughs> fine. It's, it's a storytelling trope that I don't love, but it's, it's not, that part was not egregious, uh, as much as it was kind of just like, oh, come on, Cormier. Uh, but I did like that. <laughs> That Casimir kind of was like, "What? Are you serious? <laughs> this is it?" Um, but yeah, the that journal that we were talking about, where Cormier was saying that they had responsibilities elsewhere, but that like she still remembered that she was human. Uh, on the one hand, I I liked it. On the other hand, it also read very much to me like, "Yeah, I know it's really bad for you guys because I still remember what it's like to be human." But also, yeah, see you later. <laughs> like, I'm out of here. Peace. Uh, I don't know. It kind of frustrated me, but it was a good, it was a good sort of like lore dump and answering questions about what the gods have been doing or not doing, where they are, whether they're coming back. Uh, and again, a gorgeous instance, lots of lore. So it, it was, uh, definitely, it definitely had my attention wrapped, um, the entire time. So, you know, as much as I'm griping about it, it it was it was cool like there's there's a lot of good stuff um and also it reminded me uh it kind of reminded me of uh avatar the last airbender uh the library of wan Shi tong the mm-hmm. like owl 
and how he had like you know sort of eternal information collectors that were like researchers that basically just like chilled out in his endless library collecting knowledge um yeah i yeah again the the aesthetic the vibe very cool very cool uh there's a um gosh i don't know what to, i don't know if i want to talk about it there's a sort of easter egg if you go i'll talk about it. what are we going to talk about the griffin uh, we we talked about its existence last episode we said that it you know it has been you know now that it's been officially announced by the <laughs> arena net twitter and promoted yeah, that we're sure. no longer considering it spoilers and uh we haven't really we talked a little bit about some of the quests involved in it but we didn't do like a full rundown um I can take it or leave it because it's not really a lore thing. You can't even get it until after the story. So, hmm. you know, I um, if you have something that you want to add, that's totally fine. If you... Uh, I will do this in a way that is, is not very storyful other than you meet... It, it, it shouldn't be spoilers for the main story, but it will be spoilers for the Griffin quest if you care about that. Um, so, without further ado, uh, if you return to the library as part of the griffin quest uh you can actually find an npc named nina who you meet during the story that's all i'll say about that there's a nice little easter egg if you go back there and look for her um is, so is she in the secret area or the the yes. hidden <laughs> Hmm. yep uh yeah i don't know i was thinking about that um i wasn't sure i guess hmm yeah, I guess I was thinking that it was end of game related sort of spoilers, but it kind of isn't because really it's, you know, end of it's really like just after this instance ends for what that is talking about. Mm. But you have to have beaten the game in order to see it, which is why I was sort of thinking about that, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it's definitely worth checking uh, for sure. Um also I love that you can go back there uh, as part of the Griffin quest. Yeah, I wish it was the same. It's mm-hmm. very clearly time has progressed uh, if you return there, so that's kind of a bummer, but uh, also very cool at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, was there anything else you want to talk about for this week's episode, aside from CastCast, story or otherwise? Uh, have you guys talked about the Highland map at all? No, because... Just in general? Uh, uh, no, I mean... the. We were sort of talking about the map and the story at the same time, since we're okay. chopping our story by map. So yeah, I guess that is that's worth discussing. Sure. Uh, there's a few things I, I I would venture to say that Highlands is my favorite Crystal Desert map. Um, there's a few things it's got going for it that I really like. It's um, it's diverse. It's got a nice snowy mountain area. Uh, the Snowy Mountain area features a really cool mini dungeon, and if you made it through that northeast corner without picking up any skins, you didn't find all that there is to find there. There's a lot more uh, to be discovered in the depths. Um, there's like four or five skins that you can only get by properly pillaging that area. I'll have to have you take me through there sometime, because I did not get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a really cool uh, mini dungeon-like thing up there. And those, that's not the only secret that there is to be found up there. There's lots going on in that snowy area. Um, what else? There's the Springer Ranch. There's the uh, big old waterfall that comes down from the snowy area. I love that whole area. I did a lot of my Path of Fire experience grinding 
in this zone, which uh, was nothing. I can't believe how fast the Path of Fire uh, masteries went. But when I was grinding them, because when I unlocked the Griffin, I was like, I must have all of these skills right now. Um, in that in that very weird announcer voice that I don't know why that I just did that. Uh, so I pumped a bunch of XP boosters and I walked up and down the sort of jar area at the bottom of the waterfall and aggroed a bunch of neutral mobs and got like 16k XP per mob and then just kept going. Yep. And then I, I did a lap around the snow area and I think I was done within half an hour. Wow. That's pretty intense. Yeah, the exploration XP... Uh, is huge in Path of Fire. I think because a lot of people are on mounts and just skipping enemies, so you don't even have to go very far off the beaten track to find enemies that have been killed. You can pretty much just walk around auto-attacking, and pretty much everything you find will have some sort of bonus XP on it, uh, especially if you've got a killstreak booster going. That is bonkers XP. Yeah, I have not been farming XP as hard as you did, so I'm still working on Griffin ma- uh, Masteries. But yeah, uh, I yeah, I really like this map. I think something interesting about this map is I would say that this map may be the one that uses... Well, Desolation kind of does too. But this map really uses all of the mounts uh, rather than just mostly focusing on one mount or the mount that you get in it. Uh, mm-hmm. The... the um, Springer obviously has a lot of focus with the high amount of verticality, but the um, there's some really cool sand portals here, which, you know, there were very few in the first map. Uh, yeah. There's that whole, like you said, that whole water area with the jars where uh, the skimmer is, is great to, you know, boop around on. Um, yeah, th- this is a great map to come back to once you have your mounts. Um. Yeah, I I like it a lot. I think it's I think it's really cool. I I really like the first one. Um, but this map is definitely more varied in its. I, I mean, it's hard to compete with having Amnun Oasis in the first map. Uh, because yeah. you know, but if you take out Amnun Oasis, this map is is quite varied. Has a lot of different um biomes. Is the word I was looking for. Has a lot of different biomes. A lot of cool events, a lot of cool places to explore. Like you said, that mini dungeon. I did tool around in there, and I definitely will have to, um, you know, go back there with you sometime and see what all can be found. But uh, it's it's quite cool. Uh, I'm pulling up a map right now. <laughs> Do you actually know what the deal is with those jars? <laughs> like, I don't know why they're there. They're huge. I, I'm actually not sure. I don't. I don't know what. I mean, they're they're on several maps, aren't they? I I feel like they're a gin thing, but I don't know fair. for sure. That's fair. Yeah. When in doubt, blame it on the gins. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, relating to the jackal sand portals, there's a very cool um sort of sand bridge mastery point that you can find. Uh way 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 above the map if you take a certain correct combination or i think it's just a specific sand portal takes you up there i can't remember which one it is um if you have been there and you happen to be up there during the day i highly recommend that you make another trip at night because there's some extra cool stuff to see if you return in the nighttime Hmm. i don't know that i know what you're talking about so that's cool 
a lot of stuff to find. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I think that pretty much covers the second map um, and uh, the story therein. Do you want to you want to move on to Castcast? Sure. Hello and welcome to Castcast, the podcast within the podcast for the cast of other podcasts. And hold on, hold the phone. <laughs> I got like halfway through and I was like, wait, I got no more words. Well, let me let me give you a hint. It's definitely casts. All right. Cast, cast the podcast within the podcast by the cast of other podcasts and the style cast of other podcasts. There we go. That's all of it. Brain just uh, derailed slightly. You're gone for um, one week. I know. I guess I gotta stay in practice. Um, this week on Cast Cast, I unfortunately have some pretty terrible news. Uh, yeah. Um, so Ravius from a, a Guild Wars Two community member since uh, I believe 2008. Oh, Guild Wars mm-hmm. community member since 2008, uh, since Guild Wars 2 did not exist back then. Um, writer for Kill 10 Rats and uh, apparent, or not apparent, a, a uh, infrequent guest of the podcast. It's been quite a while, but uh, he was officially uh, part of our Relics crew, at least in spirit, uh, has uh, unfortunately passed away due to stage 4 esophageal cancer. Um, that's something that I knew that he was fighting. I think that, I think that he had publicly said that that was the case, um, about a year or two ago. Um, so it's really sad. He was 36, uh, really wonderful person, uh, very friendly, very insightful. I was always a very level-headed, uh, and unlike myself, not a sometimes bitter, angry person. Um, and it's, you know, as somebody that's only a couple years younger than him, it's, uh, really shitty. Uh, yeah. Uh, I had the, the privilege of interviewing him a couple times when he was on for various things. We did, a like a one year into the game, we did a, you know, it's, it's been one year. How's the community? Like, let's get in touch with some people. Um, and he was just an absolute joy to work with and, and everything during that. And, the multiple times he was on the show. So broke my heart a little bit this morning to hear about that. Um, on a related, semi-related note, Pink Day in LA is like this weekend. I, I've, I've had a hard time following Pink Day in LA since I've moved around the world because it happens at like 4 or 5 a.m. for me. Um, so I haven't been able to be involved. But if you don't know about it, Pink Day in LA is a long-time community event. It's their 10-year anniversary this year. Um, where people get together, dye their armor all pink, and try and raise money um, for breast cancer research and awareness. Um, it is a well-established Guild Wars tradition, going all the way back to Guild Wars 1. There were NPCs and dyes added to the game because of it. Yeah, I remember um, the pink dye. I still have a pink dyed whammo. Yeah. Um, we. So I think it's happening. I'm going to pull up the website here, so I'm not just talking out of my butt. Um, but it's definitely happening in Guild Wars 2, definitely happening in Guild Wars 1, uh, whichever of those you prefer to go to, and multiple other games usually, both on EU and North American servers. Uh, I'm just pulling it up, make sure I got the dates right. October 21st at 12pm Central, there will be the Pink Day thing. They give away a ton of prizes, like a ton, a ton. Um, I know they've given away precursors they've given away i think whole legendaries they have all kinds of like 
things that people have made, uh, games from other companies. I know they have a few copies of Ori and the Blind Forest this year, Ooh. which is an amazing game. Yes. Uh, and you can win that stuff by, by donating for a good cause uh, and hanging out with some awesome people. So one day and 12 hours and 52 minutes from when we were recording this, which is absolutely useless to you because by the time I publish this, you will have like two minutes to get there. Well, theoretically, you could publish it within one day. <laughs> yeah, I have to edit it first. I, hey, I put them out the next day. Yeah, I'm going out to dinner right after this. So, funny, so am I. And <laughs> It's nine o'clock <laughs> here. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Oh, wow. They've got a whole bunch of other stuff. They've got copies of Gilderous Two Heart of Thorns. They have uh, subscriptions to Loot Crate. They have a POF pint glass, a Gilderous Two Path of Fire pint glass. Oh, those are pretty cool. Uh, I have one. Choya plushes, quaggin mugs, char plushes, POF t-shirts, all kinds of stuff. This, uh, this prize uh, just keeps going. Also, it says there's a super secret arena net prize to be announced at the event on air. All kinds of great stuff. Definitely go if you can. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. They always have like super fun games and stuff. I might be there. AFK. <laughs> sometimes uh, sometimes I wake up early and I log my character in and I dance there uh, so I can be there in spirit. But uh, in reality, I'm asleep. <laughs> yes, and I will not be there because I will be driving to Canada for vacation. So, unfortunately. But it is a great event. I have participated in the past and... Yeah, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't, and if you have, uh, you know, you know the deal, and hopefully you enjoy it, and uh, you know, want to contribute and and whatnot. So, yeah, kind of a somber note to leave the podcast on, but uh, yeah. but you know, sometimes life is not everything you want out of it, so. Uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks because, like I said, Eric is uh, busy with life and I will be out of the country. So uh, when we come back, we'll definitely be talking more about the next chapter of the story. And otherwise, thank you for joining us so far. Thank you for listening. And, you know, we'll we'll be back when we when we can. This has been another episode of Relics of War. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofwar.com, email us at relicsofwar at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.